0: Hey Rachel.
1: Hello Brian.
0: So how is your week?
1: Well, Brian, I know you've never seen Goodfellas, and I yes, I am judging you, okay? okay? But you know that famous scene when there's like a pretty gross montage and it's set to the piano breakdown of um, Layla by Derek and the Dominoes? Yeah, well, you know, like it's iconic. Song. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure, yeah. Okay, okay, so it's all these dead bodies, they're being discovered, they're in a car, they're tumbling out of a garbage truck, there's a guy frozen in a meat locker, it takes them two days to thaw him out, it's like all the evidence of the mob's criminality and the cover-up for that criminality is finally piling up and i feel like that's the phase that we're in right now in the wake of the trump presidency you know the bodies are surfacing the evidence is coming to light and it's all great i'm glad <laughs> it's coming to light but it's disgusting
0: i saw that metaphor coming a mile away rachel <laughs> <laughs> minute, i saw sorry. it coming so anyway we're going to investigate all that stuff and more this is nope the podcast where we shut it down
2: is no my son is no my number is no you need to let it go you need to let it go need to let it go
1: okay so as disturbing as that all has been we are in the presence of one of the most inspiring people on earth bevy smith radio and television personality and author of a new book a memoir self-help book called bevelations and it contains many
2: revelations and many bevelations. So welcome to N.O.P.E. again, baby. Welcome, Ryan and Rachel, I'm so happy to be here with you guys. You can't even imagine. I am exhausted. But when I tell you, I was looking forward to this interview. Because I knew it was going to be smart. I knew it was going to be funny. And I knew that we were going to have a good time. Now, I'm bummed because the last time we were together, we did it over champagne, darling.
0: We did? Yeah, time
2: yes, time we so did. I have water, which is fair.
0: Yeah, that's fine. We had it catered for you. I mean, you're worth the catering. So uh,
2: <laughs> You have scotch, don't you, Brian? I, I do. Think-
0: it's right here. I, I have right some here. wine, Good but I'm memory. kind of running yep. out. <laughs> well, we'll be back when this is done next year in Jerusalem, and it'll right. be fantastic for everyone. You, <laughs> yes. Oh. So
1: so we're going to go through the nopes, and Bevy will participate in all the nopes, and then we're going to talk a little more about her book, which I just finished, and it is a total breath of fresh with all sorts of great advice to follow your dreams and get out of that professional rut that so many people are stuck in, especially right now. Um, but before we begin with the nopes, from this week we have some breaking news in the new york city mayoral race that we must discuss so there are already like 100 people running for mayor of new york city but that has all been shaken up today with the news that a woman named barbara Cavavit, a construction entrepreneur best known for her role on the real housewives of new york city is running bevy as a fellow bravo liberty what do you make of this now, she didn't ever hold an apple, right?
2: She was just no,
0: a, She uh, was a friend, friend of, yes. A
1: friend of, okay, but a but Is a big even
2: friend more of. More sad. <laughs> <laughs> like, like she wasn't even big enough to get the apple. She's no. just a friend of. So that's very disappointing. And I, you know, I just feel like that's kind of like a novelty play. Whenever these big uh, mayoral elections come up, there's always some kind of a half-cocked idea from someone. One that they can actually yeah, Yeah. I didn't want to say a dingbat, but yes.
0: Okay, I can. So I
2: think, yeah, I just feel like that's the thing. And I know that she's a female entrepreneur. She has a construction business, all these things. So clearly, she is a a good businesswoman. It would seem, even though after Trump, we know that not everything appears that go that glitters is gold. Sometimes it's just shit with like gold (laughs) flutes. So we don't know if she's really a good businesswoman, but. You know, I get what she was saying. She wants to clean up New York City. She wants to bring diversity into it. And I was just like, well, we have plenty of diversity. But anyway, I'm I'm casting my vote for Ray McGuire.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. he's good. Yeah, he's he, he needs more attention. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, And Ramona, Ramona is out on the loose again. Ramona Singer, she's getting her real estate license, which is a real step up in her career, I guess. It's what, follow your dream, if that's what she wants to Why do. Why does she
1: need a real estate license? First of all, she's like, 80 if she's a day <laughs> no, but, but,
2: but see right that's not fair because in bevelations we say it gets greater later it does get greater oh. later and actually it's funny oh. you
1: mentioned that because brian just turned 50 and i wrote a, i sent him a bottle of champagne and wrote in the card it gets greater later and i didn't realize that was a bevelation
2: it's a bevyism and it's actually being copyrighted so Next year, this time, you'll have to pay me the use. Them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's move on
0: to the nope. Thank you for the okay. political commentary. We appreciate it.
1: <laughs> okay. So the first nope I want to talk about is Watchgate. Um, there was a story in the New York Times about Joe Biden's timepiece. He wears a $7,000 Rolex. Um, he wore it to the inauguration. And the Times said it was a far cry from the every man timepieces that every president not named Trump has worn conspicuously in recent decades. Do
2: you guys see this? I saw the article, that. yeah. And I was so ashamed in the New York Times for even playing in this like space. Because after the excessive golfing excuse me, of Trump, the excessive digging up and ruining of the Rose Garden, all these things that the taxpayer dollars paid for, we're worried about this man who was like 80 years old. He shouldn't be able to have a $7,000 watch. And by the way, it wasn't even his watch. It was his son's watch who's dead. And so it's kind of like you probably wanted the piece of him with you on your most important day of your life. Is that true?
1: So, it's his, it was Bo's watch? I want to say it was Bo's watch. Skip wow. The- yeah. I thought it might be. I mean, yeah, I, the whole thing, the tone of it just annoyed me because I was like, is this the beginning of this whole both sides journalism that starts with the premise that everyone's a hypocrite and seeks to like manufacture these controversies oh, when there are none?
2: A tan suit? Are we going to worry about a tan suit? Like a tan <laughs> suit,
1: Uh-oh. the price of arugula, remember that right. was a whole yeah. thing? Yeah, remember
2: that whole nonsense. Or the
0: ha- the haircut on the tarmac, the remember the haircut on the tarmac?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the haircut, all these silly things. And what I want to say is, you know, I don't know why, I don't know why we have this weird notion that these politicians should, like, be paupers. No, they don't make a lot of money being in public service, but oftentimes they have other businesses. Oftentimes they have spouses that make coins. Let these people live. You know what I mean? Totally. also, as we saw, I I watched the the Reagan's um, documentary, the docu-series on Showtime. Um, by Matt Trinauer. and um, you know it talked about how Reagan was broke before he became president and now of course you saw in the news that the pences are broke they're couch surfing allegedly did you guys read that
0: no no the
1: pences I, I did see they're, that yeah they're broke
0: well my really my Interesting. my what is it my towel no my towel is that Karen Pence's no, that's my no. towel. She has, Karen a, she has, a, has a business. My Towel. We talked about it last week. It's like, you know, have, like yeah. you have the little terms that go on your wine bottles. This is like My Towel. If you're at a spa, you can have a pin on it that says, that's you, My like, Towel. You like stake your
1: claim on a towel. It's like the ultimate what? business for like a Karen to have to be like, that's My Towel. Excuse <laughs> me. taking someone else's towel
2: in the spa? That's right. disgusting. Even really, just COVID, it was disgusting. And really, yeah. how big
0: a problem is this? Like- right,
2: exactly. <laughs> but I will say about Karen Pence, or as I like to refer to her as Mother Pence. Mother. yes. Mother yes. Pence. Um, Mother Pence got a mommy makeover, and she looks really good. Oh. She does? Really it's oh. of no use because we're never going to see her again. i I hope
0: from your mouth from your (laughs) mouth
2: (laughs) those people are going to fade into obscurity until they're dragged to the uh to the 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 jail and everything
0: (laughs) okay you agree on that but this rolex thing the problem with me with that is that the hypocrisy is coming from inside the house this wasn't some nut job right-wing person latching onto a problem this is the new york times Times. this is what they're writing
1: about I know. And it just they didn't do any research like they didn't get any comment and they had this like factual inaccuracy. The article says that Barack Obama opted for mid-priced all-American watches by Shinola or a sporty watch by George Gray based in Southern California that cost less than five hundred dollars. But, however... My friend, Mike, who um, is a filmmaker, he's making a documentary about timepieces called Keeper of Time. And he informed me that President Obama is actually wearing a $15,000 Rolex <laughs> in his presidential portrait. So like, but the bigger point is, so the fuck what? Like, you know, a, a watch is a special purchase. And the more interesting story would be to find out the meaning of the watch for well, Joe the more Biden. The interesting
2: story would be to find out how much money trump pilfered from the american public (laughs)
0: correct the golf the golf trips alone were a hundred million dollars
2: yeah Yeah. exactly so let's let's talk about that not about a personal item of jewelry moving on people moving Moving on on. nonsense (laughs) no to the new york times no no
1: absolutely not
0: (laughs) okay and up to that watch it looked gorgeous um it was nice yeah, yeah yeah okay I wanna shift our focus to the world of magazines. And Rachel, you know I am passionate about this because I used to run a magazine company, uh, one of the first web companies for magazines. I was not a publisher, but I did write for magazines. And Bevy, you have a long history that you recount in the book uh, about being a fashion ad sales executive uh, for Rolling Stone. Now this story is about Rolling Stone, but I picked the story for this podcast before I had read that. And i had no idea so it was serendipity so maybe could you just tell us like what you did there and 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 when
2: yeah i was a fashion advertising executive there um i was the only black person in that space and i was the only woman in that space on the the sales team um it was a very very uh, toxic place to work if you were black or if you were a woman and I was double, so it was not a it was not a great work environment, um, and I just remember it being filled with odd characters, Jan Winner being one of the odd. Characters.
0: <laughs> okay, well, uh, you won't be surprised by this next item then, <laughs> with that with that lead in it. Okay, so kids today are too young to even remember what Rolling Stone is or was or what it represented. It launched in 1967. It was the ultimate countercultural thing. The the first cover was John Lennon. It had the famous Annie Leibovitz photo of John and Yoko in that fetal position, that iconic image. Published writing by Tom Wolfe and Hunter S. Thompson, and it it stayed in print. that evolved through the '80s. It was more sort of a cult pop culture and lifestyle. That's you were there probably in the '80s, '90s. No, or, no, no. Yeah. I was in the 2000s. Okay, sorry. I, <laughs> I didn't mean to. You were you were a toddler in the '80s. I know. I,
1: in the, in <laughs> the early 2000s, right? Early in 2000s. Early 2000s okay.
0: yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, and now it's still going, but it's much much diminished. I mean, RollingStone.com is most of it, and they have clickbait and lots of lists but they are making a big return. And since you were on the ad side, even though you're a writer now, you were in, you were on the business side. The business yeah. side is making a big play. They are, they're running an ad now. They are seeking thought leaders to contribute a column. And I said, well, great, they're getting the, the, the best of breed to actually write a column. But then I thought about it, having a little background in editorial myself, is that people don't normally advertise for people to write in a top, <laughs> <laughs> Top tier magazine. Usually, it's the right. other way around. Usually, they're right. solicited and assigned to do this. And right. then you go deeper, and it says um, it's a there's an exclusive vetting process, um, an opportunity to publish original content to the Rolling Stone website, and allowing the writer to position themselves as thought leaders and share their experience. And the vehicle of this is by. But when you do this, you become something. Uh, part of something called the culture council not the culture club boy george right. that that might be fun that the culture fun. <laughs> the culture council
1: not the cancel culture not the, the cancel culture, culture. Council. not the, <laughs>
0: culture <Club. laughs> the culture club the culture council no, this should be <laughs> a
2: part of the cancel culture this should be canceled <laughs> <laughs> and
0: culture. i i saw this coming a mile away to be on the culture council and be published in on rollingstone.com. It is a $2,000 fee. It's a $1,500 recurring annual fee and $500 upfront. So lots of magazines have advertorials and so forth, but, and they, they try to make it clear that the pieces appear under a banner Uh, That describes the culture club cancel culture as an invitation only of network of industry professionals who share their insights with our audience. And then they say a further pop up discloses that membership is fee based. Now I went to one of these articles, There, there is in fact a banner at the top, it is barely legible in what we in the internet business called mouse type, which means Mm -hmm. it's like gray on gray and in like six point font, and there was no pop-up. So you would have no reason to think that this was a paid promotion. And they are already publishing this, so it is getting some traction. There are two articles of note. One is a set of positive predictions for the future of cannabis industry by a PR executive who represents a cannabis cannabis, producer, uh, right? and there's a piece uh, praising the social nature of sports betting by the founder of an online sports betting network. To me, oh, this that's- this
1: is terrible.
2: This is <laughs> awful. It's me- so disgusting. And Hunter S. Thompson, if he had not been shot out of a cannon by Johnny Depp, <laughs> would be so, so disappointed. And Tom Wolf would probably get that white suit dirty. <laughs> yeah. Trying to scrub this this cheap piece of crap out of Rolling Stone magazine. You get it, all ink stained. That suit would be all ink stained. By the way, yeah, I the stone, I had so, up having a dinner with Tom Wolfe, which was one of the highlights.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, That's uh I, I think Bonfire of the Vanities was like what inspired me to, like for a time, be a writer. It was, it, you know, it was in high the school. The wait a
2: piece of shit, but... Yes. No, right. the
0: by the end he was off the rails. Like he was a <laughs> Well
2: by the vanities, and, you know, they really they did a doozy on young black people. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's true. I probably yeah. probably yeah. should. I
0: probably should reread that with the yeah, lens, probably, through the lens of yeah. twenty yeah.
2: twenty one. That that's what made you want to be a writer.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll notice that I'm not actually a writer anymore. So okay. I guess I did the <laughs> <Yeah>. job. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to ask it how ask you how it makes you feel, but it's very apparent. It sounds like there is sort of a direct line from the toxic culture that you encountered there to whatever monstrosity arose from the grave of. Rolling Stone to produce this thing.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've uh, you know, this kind of thing has been happening for a long time in magazines, as you said, the advertorial. But traditionally, you knew when it was an advertorial. It looked like an advertorial, felt like one. Only the most unsophisticated reader would be like, oh, this is just another story. Right. So it was very clear. Right. This is something that advertisers have cooked up so they right. can get more ad dollars. Right. Oh, look, an
0: eight-page spread about the rising tech culture in Saudi Arabia. I wonder who assigned this article. <laughs> but, but these
1: are not good articles. I mean, anybody with a sense of taste or style or knows like who a writer is would read the byline and know that this is nonsense, you know? I mean, I'll, I'll never read Rolling Stone again, not that like <laughs> regularly, <laughs> I'm regularly reading, reading
2: that. I say in the book that, you know, by the time I got there, it was just so insane that they would rather put another, you know, Beatles cover on, you know, a Beatles picture on the cover of Rolling Stone rather than put like Beyonce or anyone who is a modern day uh, pop superstar that was black. They, yeah. I mean, they were so behind the times, uh, and and they still are, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so nope, nope to Rolling Stone for that, and for many other things, and. I want to keep going with my magazine role here because we're, we're talking about magazines that are now are no longer what they once were, which brings me to Forbes Magazine, which has had problems all along. Malcolm Forbes, it was a disaster from the early days, but it did have cachet um, it did. It, among certain circles who cared about those things. And fun fact: Did you know that for a while Bono owned Forbes Magazine here in the?
2: I did not know.
0: Yeah, there you no. go. Fun fact: We do our research here. It was a great- uh, <laughs> He's since sold it to some Chinese private equity nonsense or whatever. As one
2: is. does.
0: <laughs> if I could sell myself <laughs> to Chinese private equity, I probably would.
2: all among us? To, you're selling the note to a Chinese private equity company. Right. Yes. The- oh, yes. 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 I'll happily oh, yes. do their
0: bidding for the right <laughs> price. <laughs> um, so the of all the things I don't like about Forbes, I think I the thing I like the least is the 30 under 30 list um and I was never on it they say it's for the brashest entrepreneurs yes. and I was an entrepreneur when I was under 30 I was never selected for I think it didn't exist back then but I, I wouldn't <laughs> to, 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 it still. right I wouldn't want it I would I would turn it, turn it down right so but the people who get it cuz I work among young entrepreneurs they, when they get it, they put it in their email signature, they treat it like they won the Nobel Prize. And to me, and just, there's
1: not 30, there's like 5000. There's,
0: <laughs> like there's there's 600, because it's 30 <laughs> across 20 categories, and there have been 5000 of them. So to me, it just seems when you put it in your email signature, it seems like just a sign of insecurity that you need the outside validation. If they had a 50 over 50, and they gave it to me, I would turn it down, not interested. Not but you. so so maybe they're picking up on the fact that it doesn't have the cachet that they would like to have so they're trying to add value to having this exclusivity um, to the honor so this winter they announced that they were going to have just for the 30 under 30s and the recent alums a month-long trip to a five-star hotel and beach club in Bermuda okay Many questions.
2: First of and all, this is the Fire Fest, right? This we is like the
0: Fire Festival Fire Fest. for like.
2: Bars. No, it's just the Fire Festival. It's the same group of people. <laughs> oh, it no, is? You don't have to put a caveat on it, baby? It's the same group of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Fire Fest.
0: There, and similarly, same same marketing copywriter, obviously, because they said it's one of the most desirable destinations in the world to escape from the monotony and the gloom of COVID. But in fact, Bermuda is listed as the highest level four tier of COVID risk, and the CDC says travelers should avoid all travel to this destination.
2: So now, right. in, in all fairness, so is America. <laughs> yes, okay. I mean, it's, called, it's called it's called. People- I study. I actually study the travel advisories, and there are very few places in the world that are number ones or number twos. Yeah. Most people are number threes and number fours. So I just want to say that about Bermuda. That's fine, I'm, especially
0: especially Florida, which is right by Bermuda. That's yeah. it's a it's beautiful a four- place. It's a five, yes. Noted, thank you for your expertise on the tiering (laughs) of the CDC's ratings. Um, So yeah, what could possibly go wrong? So the program is for the entire month of March, to which I ask who among these brash entrepreneurs have an entire month to spend on an island doing nothing if they're so brash. Um, so they say they can, people can work all day and then network, engage in live programming and have incredible fun on nights and weekends. And they get ready- like,
1: re- what about COVID? <laughs> what about COVID? Right,
0: they, like... have a, they, they have a plan for that. They yeah, say, we'll get ready to make lifelong friendships. There'll be eight days in pods of 25 and then the group size will gradually increase before merging into a single bubble.
2: This sounds like an orgy. sounds <laughs> like an orgy. And also I also have to say this. It's very cold in Bermuda, and yeah. Martin, because it's right off the coast of North Carolina.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. People think it's uh, like a it's tropical destination. It's not. It's
2: not the Caribbean. It's actually not the Caribbean.
0: But yeah. people right.
2: think it's the Caribbean. It's not. Yeah. So, so they're,
0: yeah, so they're merging into a bubble. I don't want to, this is not a bubble I want to be in.
2: No, no merging like. into a bubble, no.
1: <laughs> there will be no merging. There will be no bubble. There will be no traveling. No, absolutely not. So no. they,
0: were, they were ratted out by one of their own, Rachel Zarell, uh, who is in, uh, a former 30 Under 30, was invited to this thing. She's a brand strategist at BuzzFeed, whatever the fuck that it means. And uh, she got the thing, and she rightfully uh, posted it on Twitter. And now the whole world knows, and I would never say that if it's gonna wipe out the whole thirty under thirty, I don't want ill on anybody. But if they maybe got a little cough from it and learned their lesson, I wouldn't be so sad.
1: But they dropped the plan like that day. Like after yes, they dropped
2: it. Yes. But they didn't announced it
1: and dropped it like after five minutes. And it was just like, oh that didn't happen.
2: Sorry. I'm glad I'm happy for Bermuda because, you know, even though I know the tourism board like we can, we're prepared to do, the, uh, that would not have been good.
1: And no, we would have brought
2: small, the COVID to Bermuda. We would have made it worse for them. Yeah, and it's a very small island, and also it is thoroughly dependent on tourism, which is why I'm sure this was attractive to them. Yeah. Yes. But also, you know, Bermuda actually has a thing where you can come there and work for months without like a visa or anything like that. So they were trying to encourage Americans. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, if my mom wasn't around, yeah, I probably would have gone to Bermuda to work. I mean, now there's a, a level four, probably not, but right. yeah.
0: So it's like one big we work. It's like the we work of the, <laughs> the not Caribbean, South Atlantic, whatever. Yeah. Um, so nope to Forbes 30 under 30. Pick a new number, pick a new attitude it's just oh my take like god Patti these LaBelle. Magazines just take a magazines need attitude. these
1: <laughs> magazines need innovation and they are not doing a good job with these no. ideas no. just fold
0: it shut it down and start with another magazine okay nope yeah. rachel you have the next one
1: okay um yes yeah. so um so I want to talk about the political scene um can this whole cancel culture thing it you know it's no surprise that in the middle of a pandemic and an economic crisis and in the wake of an attempted coup the republicans are focusing in on the biggest issue of our time which is their own victimhood and silencing at the hands of a it's woke terrible. mob it's of national the cancel culture terrible. Terrible. um so I'm just so sick of people railing against cancel culture because first of all cancel culture is not a thing there is just
2: culture right and, and there are consequences gotten canceled. i mean the only people that have really experienced cancel culture are the people who've gotten convicted like harvey weinstein and bill cosby they, they've been canceled And r kelly even though he hasn't been um, found guilty as of great right.
1: it's known as justice it's known as like it's known as justice Yes. And and public shaming has existed since the dawn of human civilization in order to keep behavioral norms But it doesn't have
0: to be political. You don't like someone or what they represent. Don't buy their thing. Don't consume their culture. It's not a concerted effort. There's no cabal of all of us like canceling someone. We're all individuals. If we don't like someone, don't buy their shit like right. that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. it.
1: It's it should be the the mantra of libertarians. This should be like a great thing. Like you don't like it, don't buy it. But no. no. The Republicans do not want to be held accountable for their behavior. So they're railing against this non-existent cancel culture and they have these delusions of persecution. And so there's the Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri who should not be in the Senate right yeah. now because he is a traitor who promoted yes. Trump's big lie that the election was stolen and helped incite an insurrection against the United States, which led to the cancellation of his book contract by which Simon and Schuster. Have no way. What?
2: Which? You have the damn book contract. Any- you shouldn't
1: have had, who wants to read a book by Josh Hawley? I mean, this decision to cancel this book was pretty low-risk, high-reward for the
0: publisher, right? It stood on its own business merits, let's just <laughs> yes. say. <laughs>
1: yes, And so, but, you know, all the trolls came out after this. Oh, my God. It's cancel culture. It's a woke mob. The conservatives are being silenced. And where does Josh Hawley voice his opinion that he is being silenced? He gets the cover of the New York Post. So that is, he is being silenced on the cover of a huge newspaper. And And, um, the op-ed was called The Muzzling of America, as if his losing a book deal is a bigger problem for democracy than the fact that he tried to overthrow the government. <laughs> you know, I mean, he says the alliance of leftists and woke capitalists hopes to regulate the innermost thoughts of every American from school age to retirement. And they've trained enforcer enforcers of the woke orthodoxy to monitor dissent or misbehavior. A Karen who cuts the wrong purse and often traffic gets followed home on a live stream and shamed into crying for mercy as her license plate is broadcast to an online horde eager eager to hound her out of a job okay so the problem is really too many karens (laughs) being shamed like yeah. What is Yeah. This is like all Karen's matter, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, shut the fuck up, Josh Hawley. Fuck you. You're a traitorous piece of shit. Uh, and he just announced today that he's not running for president in 2024. And I would like to announce that I am not going to be in the Forbes 30 under 30. Right, exactly. Right, right.
0: and I will not be a a council culture (laughs) contributor to Rolling Stone. (laughs) There you have it.
1: So, um, okay. So no nope to Josh,
0: to the, no, Nope cancel to, culture nope to the cancel
1: culture of Josh Hawley, but no, not to be outdone. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, that monstrosity who used to stand behind the podium every day and lie. She's running for governor of Arkansas on a cancel culture victim platform. She said in her announcement video this week, I took on the media, the radical left and their cancel culture. And I won as governor, I will be your voice and never let them silence you she's so she's like running against the press and how is she being silenced again like like she's putting out this video everyone's watching it she and was at that red
0: robin restaurant or something and they someone like looked
2: interrupted her a, meal to say a, that she's a horrible person yeah she
1: doesn't deserve to eat at restaurants <laughs> she should eat in a in like underground like she, she's a monster and and also like I Clintons... would be the first
0: one to pull a Teresa Judice on her if she oh my if God. I saw her table eating flip. at a what, table.
1: Prostitution flip. whore! <laughs> <laughs> yes, take her down.
0: I would do a rage yeah. sweep on her table. I would do everything.
1: Um, but like, can't the Clintons do something about this? Can't right. they
2: intervene? Right. I mean, Arkansas is his home state. I he think I think it's
0: changed a lot since he was governor, though. That's- <laughs>
1: Nope to all these people, nope to all of them, and the, they need easy. to be- Easy, Yeah, no. easy, yeah, no. yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Before we move into the highlight of the show, which is gonna be a little chat with Bevy about her book, um, I have one more nope. So I'm famous for my segues, here's one. Now that we can exhale a little bit, um, we can turn our attention to more civilized matters than the Trump atrocities, like grooming, specifically men's grooming. And um, this is an article that I picked up on from Mel Magazine a year ago. And we had the managing editor of Mel Magazine as a guest a few weeks ago, Alana Hope Levinson. This is an article by a guy named Quinn Myers and it was a year ago, but it's been in the air recently. So we're always have our sensors up for things that are going around and this caught our attention. So um, I'm not gonna tell you what the article's about. I'm just gonna read the first line. Ryan W. loves to blow himself. He got hooked 10 years ago after a fateful shower. Have I got your attention? Okay. So, so Mel magazine is so great. I'm just going to like liberally quote from it. So don't, don't uh, call me, you know, what's the, I'm not, whatever, stealing your words. Okay. So basically what it gets around to is the towel he was using was insufficient to dry his junk after a shower. He says, The worst feeling after a shower is when you get dressed and realize you missed a spot on the back of your thigh or crotch region. Your clothes feel gross, your body feels sweaty, it's a mess. Is that really a problem? No. (laughs) I'm a man, not really, it's not that big a problem. Okay, so here's from the article. So he bent the wrist, turned the steam of hot air south and the rest is history. Ryan's been blow drying his dick for nearly a decade now. (laughs) His trusty Conair, eighteen seventy-five, goes with him wherever he goes. I'm on the way to Boston for the weekend. He tells me. Brought the hair dryer. He's got a tried and true routine. He'll wrap the towel around his waist and take the blow dryer to his upper body. Then lose the towel, spread his legs, and go to town. My legs. Wait! 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 wait. He
1: takes it to his upper body first. Like Yeah,
0: you gotta you gotta have a method. You gotta go <laughs> in a linear fashion. Wait, just, does,
2: does he have hair? He's trying try, try manscaping and he wouldn't have to have yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's hair specific or skin. You don't but does he heavy. use
1: it on his head or just on his body?
0: No, no, he skips the head, goes right to the <laughs> chest, goes yeah. right to the okay. pecs. Right. Okay. Um, so they say he's got to try, right. Uh, he'll wrap the towel. He goes, My legs peen and balls after a few minutes. It gets you nice and dry. Um, so let me pause for a second and give you the name of this article, which is what got our attention in the first place, which is the guys who risk it all to blow their junk, dry, to blow dry their junk. And then the second, the subhead um, to the next part I'm going to talk to you about is taint misbehaving. Um, and so they profile another user of this method and it's a couple. And I think they got these idiots off of Reddit, but of course, but it's someone named Mrs. White Deer, may or may not be her right name, her right. correct name. And um, she says, I, start blow drying my hus- I started blow drying my husband a few years ago. He'd been blow drying himself. She'd already been doing it for herself, but then he had her do it, quote, as an act of servitude and he would put one foot up on the counter and have her reach underneath and go ahead and blow him. Um, (laughs) um, but then they realized it was empowering for her in a like sort of BDSM way, because I, the guy was at her mercy for her not to burn him. Um, so, Interesting twist there—a little power dynamic with the with the hair dryer. Okay, but this is skirting around the real question, which is: Is this safe? Is it dangerous? We don't know. So, uh, investigative journalism. The author of this article turned to the experts. One is a dermatologist, Dr. Fain Frey. Um, in New York, she said uh, I don't have any science that shows either benefits or downsides versus uh, patting the skin di- dry with a towel. So she's kind of okay with it. And then Dr. Susan Bard, dermatologist of Brooklyn, encourages blow drying especially in the nooks and crannies of your nether region. She says I <laughs> do encourage blow-drying between the legs and other skin folds where moisture <laughs> can get trapped and lead to overgrowth of yeast or bacteria. Oh. So that is an innovation, a grooming innovation that I am proud. So, what to- are they
1: risking? Well, they're not risking it all. No, that th- there's risking- one.
0: There's one guy who said you could get that you could get burned. This guy, one guy, did get burned. He says the tip of his penis touched the like metal grating that does that, and he says erections are. I, why am I talking about this? They're, it's painful. It's very painful. It's <laughs> but disgusting. that's not and all.
1: He didn't risk it all. He didn't risk. <laughs> well, he didn't life. burn it off. <laughs> so he <laughs> the headline is misleading it's like you risk maybe like having a like a warm dick
0: like that's no burn and discomfort anyway (laughs) i have i have an unadvertised rachel you don't know about this i have a postscript to this story because of our dedication to deep investigative journalism i decided to try this for myself (laughs) i did And I can't believe I'm saying this because my parents and people I work with and some high school teachers of mine listen to this podcast. And I'm not ashamed to say that I blow dried my dick and it felt fucking great.
2: Wow. Wow. You're you're a convert.
0: I'm a convert. (laughs) I'm keeping it plugged in next to the sink. I don't know if I'm going to have Doug do it for me. That might be a bridge too far. You're risking
1: it all. I'm risking (laughs) it it all. (laughs) Putting all, it all on the line. <laughs> it's
0: all about temperature modulation. You just got to get it just right. Also, there's I, I'm excited to try the variations. You got the little cone, you got the like spreader.
2: But I was going to say, why can't you just air dry? You just lay out across your bed. You're working from home. It's not like you have to go into the office at a certain time. Lay out across the bed and just air dry. And then that way you don't have to worry about burning your penis.
0: That is a very good point. That will be next on my agenda of uh, I, drying I, innovations. I will say certainly... I, I
2: lay out on the bed. Like I do my towel and then I like lay out.
0: So you're, the, you're a pioneer. You, you were there before the- Oh my God.
2: Yeah.
0: Add this to your CV, your professional CV.
2: Good. I'm a <laughs> peaver or Iver, whatever the hell she was. And I'm, I'm a maverick. <laughs> And a pioneer in air drying the bottle. <laughs> okay,
0: I'll leave it at that. So <laughs> yup y- to your method, nope to their method. Me, the jury's still out. I'm going nope to continue extra- the headline. Method. The headline, nope to- okay. Okay, okay. Nope. okay. Rachel, uh, over to you now, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay, so Bevy, congratulations on your book. Yeah. It is so great, and it's so relatable, and, um, you know, I- As you know, because we met this way, I used to also be part of the fashion industry and go to fashion weeks, and I also got tired of it, and I also read The Artist's Way, and it really helped me as well change the course of my life, so I felt like it was just uh, tracked so well with my own experience and was very helpful. Um, But there's one scene at the beginning of the book that I keep thinking would be in the pilot of the Netflix series that is eventually going to be made about your life. And it's when you walked into your boss's office and quit your job at Rolling Stone. And I was hoping that you might be able to read a couple of paragraphs from uh, page 31, starting with the sentence that starts with when I began to understand sort of toward the middle.
2: When I began to understand that tapping into my true desires, aspirations that had long been hidden away, didn't make me a bad person, but an enlightened, whole person, I went full throttled and embraced the God, grown-ass woman in me. Thanks for the inspiration, Mary Mary. And it was the God in me who went into the Rolling Stone publisher's office and announced that she was quitting to pursue a creative life when the publisher asked, what does that mean? What are you going to do exactly? My response was, whatever I like, I'm going to write, act, sing, travel, do photography, DJ, paint, be a fire eater, and maybe even juggle, all while (laughs) giggling with euphoria. Now that I'm reflecting upon my vague list of goals, maybe that's why you thought I was having a midlife crisis.
1: (laughs) Amazing. Swooning,
0: I'm swooning. If that doesn't make I mean, you want to read the book, like,
2: there you go. You're
0: not no. a reader. You're, you're yeah. not a reader. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. But I also narrate the audiobook.
0: Oh. So, that, so you that, don't have okay. to be a reader, just be a listener.
2: You can yeah. just be a listener. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so you blew up your life at the age of 38 with no concrete plan other than to be creative and use your own intelligence and charisma to follow your dream. So looking back, was there anything you would have done differently if you could do it again?
2: Well, no, because I don't believe in regrets because everything is as it should be. And if I had not gone broke, I would not have become an entrepreneur and created Dinner with Bevy. Dinner with Bevy, which is a business I created where I host dinners for celebrities and I used to host them and then introduce them to fashion um, professionals, fashion brands, and also fashion magazine editors and things like that. If I don't go broke, Then I don't create that business. If I don't create that business, then I don't have all these amazing A-list relationships with celebrities. If I don't have all these amazing A-list celebrity relationships, I'm not as valuable as I am now on my radio show or on any of the TV shows that I've ever done. So everything is as it should be. Everything. Yeah. But I could have, I could have, uh, you know, went and consulted with a financial advisor. (laughs) They probably probably would have told me, Brian, maybe don't do your sepia version of Eat, Pray, Love and go to, you know, go to South Africa, then go to Zambia, then go to Brazil, then go to uh, Costa Rica. And I went somewhere else. But yeah, I did a lot of traveling.
0: But have you considered getting on Forbes 30 Under 30? Because I hear that's going to a real income producer.
2: Well, I'm looking for 70 Under seven. Because <laughs> 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 like I told you it gets greater later, baby. So yeah. that's, that's the list I'm looking for. <laughs> yes. Um,
1: Okay, amazing. So you talk about all these different identities that you've had over the years. There's Lil Brown, Bevy, MC Bevsky, Fashionista, Beverly, Big Bev, Uptown, Bevy, Malibu, Bevy, Zen, Bevy. I'm probably missing like 10 of them, Um, but I can tell in reading the book how much thought and introspection has gone into sort of identifying the characteristics of each of these personae. When did you start to really like parse all of these elements of your personality and give them names?
2: Well, almost immediately, it's a very weird thing because I knew I was MC Bevsky when I went to high school because I had been um, bullied in junior high school. And so I went to a, a, a high school in New York City called Norman Thomas High School, which when I went was a very good school and it, was, um, it had like a marketing discipline. And I was always interested in advertising and marketing and branding. Um, and so I went to that school and where my bullies went to another school. but I literally decided not to go to the same school as my bullies because even though they were the cool cool girls, the popular girls, I knew that if I went with them, I would be a handmaiden forever. And I was like, well, I don't want that to be my life. So that's the first time I ever changed my life. And when I got to that school, I did a lot of um, freestyle rapping in the bathroom and smoking dirt weed. And I became MC Bevsky and that was amazing. And that's the first time I ever identified a different persona out of Little Beverly Smith or Little Brown Betty. Mm-hmm. And then it just kept going and going. And then the Big Bev from Uptown thing actually was put on me by like my rapper friends. Like that was in the '90s, the like Eddie days of like when hip hop first starts coming coming into the mainstream, and it's crossing over. And we're having the best time. And I'm friends with Biggie and Tupac and, 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 and Puffy and any rap artist that you can think of from that era. I know they know me more importantly. And I'm Big mm. Beth from Uptown. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking That's of Tupac, what would you say? That's my favorite persona outside of Lulu Brown Bebby, which oh. is core of me. But yes. That, was that Big Bet from Uptown. She was a good time.
1: Yeah. Um- you you had said that like in your business life and in your career, nobody really saw the Lil Brown Bevy, the core of Bevy, except Tupac Shakur. And I was not expecting that the end of that sentence was going to be <laughs> Tupac
2: Shakur, but could you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, if you really just Google Tupac, you'll see that there was that persona of the bad boy, you know, shooting of the cops and all that kind of, you know, shoot that with the cops and all that kind of stuff. But there was also the man who wrote, you know, a rose grows from concrete. He was a poet. Um, There's the man that wrote dear mama, you are appreciated. There was the man who wrote Brenda's got a baby who did social commentary through his music. And so that's the Tupac that I got to know. No, I, I know, the- but how did you feel so comfortable to be like fully, Bevy. We you? just saw each other. It's the craziest thing. And we and I do this to this day, Rachel. I can like connect with people in the middle of a crowded ass party. And and there will be something about a person and I will know that we need to stop down and just have a real conversation in the middle of a quiet room. It's it's like a, a standard Bevy thing. Doesn't happen every time I'm going out, but there are there's often times when I'm like out and about, obviously, not in the last year. But out and about, and I will meet someone, and my spirit will tell me, tell me have a moment with that person, mm-hmm. and I just do, and I did that with Pac, and and that's why we had that kind of a relationship, that kind of friendship.
1: Hmm, that's amazing. Um, on a on a more serious note, you uh, recently lost your father to that's COVID, amazing. and. Yeah, and um, I remember it was around the time that uh, Josh, my husband, was sick and you had gotten COVID, I got COVID, we were in contact, and um, you wrote about your father and he sounds like he was such an incredible man and someone who really had an impact on who you are today as a person. Could you tell us a little bit about him?
2: Yes, Gus Lee Smith, World War II veteran, a Geechee, and an amazing father and husband. A provider, um, a man who worked very hard his entire life so that his children could have a better life. My dad was ninety-five when he died, and so he was raised in the Jim Crow South. So whenever people would say things like, "Oh, slavery is so far away," or "Oh, why don't black people get over?" and I would be like, "Well, I live with history." So when my father was born, there were actually still slaves alive. Okay, you take that in. You know what I mean? Like that's some shit that's yeah. crazy. So, um, and he was, and he was raised in the deep South, you know? And so the, and of course that was a part of the great migration. So my father, um, went into the, um, Navy when he was 16 years old, he lied to go into the Navy and a a week later, Pearl Harbor breaks out. And so they go into world war II. So just as luck, he wasn't even supposed to be in the Navy. He was only 16. Um, But, you know, he goes and he serves. And one of the stories that he tells is that on his 17th birthday, he was on a a cruiser um, and he was manning um, a gun that had no bullets because at that point, not only were the armed services segregated, they didn't even allow um, Black service people to have loaded guns. So, you know, when I talk about race and when I talk about um uh you know social ills and i talk about inequality and things like that i'm talking about it from a real space of like i can go deep into the history of it because i live with someone i live with two people my both my parents are from jim Crow south um and so yeah my daddy taught me a lot my daddy also is the reason why i have a love of travel every sunday we would sit down with the paper and he would talk to us about the places that we read about he would quiz us on how many oceans and how many continents and the highest summit here, there, and the next. And so whenever I traveled all over the world, I've been to every continent except Antarctica, um, whenever I travel, I would always come back to my daddy and be like, so daddy, you know this is where I went. But normally when I would go, he would tell me something about the place before I even got there, something really interesting. And when I went to South Africa, I never forget, he was like, you got to make sure you go to the Cape of Good Hope. And I was like, what is that, daddy? And he was like, it's like when the, what is it? When the Atlantic Ocean meets the, not Pacific, but the uh,
0: Indian Ocean. Indian Ocean, thank
2: you. Yes. My daddy told me that. And he (laughs) had a fifth grade education. My father was very learned and he was an amazing man. And I love speaking his name in in these interviews, Gus Lee
1: yeah, he sounds like a, an incredible person. And just to explain to our listeners what a mensch Bevy is and how much she takes after him, um, that could be a new identity for you, menschy Bevy. I, I like that. That's like the Jewish you know, yeah. thing. Um,
2: when when Josh- My mensch.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, when Josh was in the hospital and I was having a panic attack about driving to get myself tested for COVID, Bevy called me and was like, I'm sending an Uber to pick you up right now. And um, I almost, you know, I got it together and I wound up driving myself, but it just like tells you everything you need to know about the type of person that Bevy is. And I'll never forget your kindness in that moment.
2: Well, I mean, I, I knew what you were going through because we were all in it together. People don't understand, but if you had COVID in March or in April, it was terrifying. It was
1: terrifying. It
2: was like What's a hard movie. Thing?
1: Yeah. It was like, what is this thing? We had no idea. It was, it was
2: really, really scary. Yeah. Scary because all we knew is that people were dying. Yep. And you would go to a doctor and they could do nothing for you. Remember that? Like nothing. They would tell you. They would say,
1: don't come in, don't come in and don't like, and, and, Trump was on TV saying anyone who wants a test can get a test. And then you try to get a test and there was no test and everything was a lie. And it was just, uh, with no information and all the information coming at you being bad information, it just created more panic and fear.
2: Yeah, definitely. So I I felt for you and you were, you know, you had your son and everything. I was like, well, I mean, I don't, one less thing she has to worry about. So that was happy when Josh came home, that was an amazing video
1: yeah it was really an amazing moment I, I, yeah um, and you know, finally, on a lighter note, uh, one thing I loved about this book is how you do not hold back on anything. Um I can assure you that there will never be anybody left wondering what does Bevy really think <laughs> uh, <head>. right? <laughs> um I do have one question though. um I was reading. The- I was reading it last night. Rachel and I I were
0: texting each other about this I had to dog
1: ear this part of the book because there was a a part where you mention a sexual position called the pinball wizard.
2: (laughs) Okay, wait. You guys will not believe this. I literally just Googled outlandish sexual positions and their names. Oh, okay. Okay, good. (laughs) I don't even know what the pinball wizard is. (laughs) I was like, I, mean, I really I mean, need to get the inside scoop on the pinball wizard. I know what crouching is. I know about a snowball. I know about a dirty Sanchez. But all the other ones I named, I'm like. The champagne room, the wheelbarrow. I was like, what are these? Know the wheelbarrow. The wheelbarrow is an old school one. I don't know. <laughs> Rachel, behind, we are such squares.
0: Up, I don't know what that hold is. the
2: legs up. Look. Look at the, the rhythm.
1: Oh okay. Oh. oh okay. And you're and you're like sort of with yeah. And they got your hand. legs. And it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. like handstand, basically. Yes. Yes. Oh, that sounds uncomfortable. I guess it depends how
0: limber <laughs> it depends you who's are. Who's behind you, right?
2: Exactly. And as I write the book, I'm very limber. So. Yes. Like... And
0: do they have a blow dryer?
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> they have <a> blow dryer.
0: <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. What a lot of insights. That's incredible. Look, if that conversation doesn't make you want to read this book and buy it, of course, we're going to have links all over the place. It's going to be in the show notes. It's going to be in all of our social, uh, where we'll be linking to everything and all of Bevy's places you can find Bevy. Please, please, you know, something It would make us feel good. It would be a gift to us if we could give Bevy's book a huge sales lift from this this very exclusive media appearance. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so. Her that's, most exclusive for sure. <laughs> her mission in life is to <laughs> do that. Anyway, thank you so much. At the end of the podcast, as you know, we do the yups. See the little rays of light, the little beacons of hope that gave us uh, got us through the week. Uh, Rachel You love going first. Why don't you go? first? Okay,
1: sure. I'll go first. Um, so if there's one thing in the world that I do not care about at all, it is sports. (laughs) Um, and of all the sports that I do not care about the one that I care the least about, um, I I probably wouldn't even notice it if it disappeared today and never came back and that sport is golf. Um, and this week I was riveted unexpectedly
2: by this tiger woods documentary on HBO. Have you seen it? No. I have not, but I heard about. I can't stand Tiger Woods, and he's so unattractive now that I don't. To see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't merit he, your yeah, attention yeah. anymore. <laughs> he started off so good. He was so promising. He was so cute. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know. And then, okay. Yeah,
1: but he is a fascinating man, and um, you know, in looking back at what happened. With him, he was treated unfairly and pretty despicably uh, following the meltdown of his marriage and his sexual addiction, which is a real addiction. And if it had been any other sexual addiction, yeah, (laughs) he does. Yeah, yeah, he does.
2: Okay, yeah, I'm gonna watch it just to see if he has a sexual addiction.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like. the whole story of his father and the relationship and how he was had to be so focused and was like playing golf when he was like one, you know, it's just, it is a fascinating story. So um, everyone watch the Tiger Woods documentary on HBO, even if you hate golf as much as I do.
0: Okay. Okay, I have another one on streamer, Rachel, I'm switching it up from what I said I was going to do because I've been so enwrapped by a Netflix series that I thought was like, I don't believe in the idea of guilty pleasures if i think if it's giving you pleasure i don't care why guilt it's just good right um so this is a netflix miniseries and i know rachel you probably hate it i always say you ask me did you see so-and-so i'm like no, i don't have time somehow i found 16 hours since saturday to watch the netflix series elite um which uh is like a teen soap drama made in spain with impossibly attractive teenagers in an elite private school of course they're all in their 20s so i'm free to lust after them and um it's uh it's a murder it's a it's kind of like gossip girl meets DeGrassi meets cruel intentions and i mentioned that to a young person they're like i don't know what two out of those three things are
2: yeah um, I, I must be that young person those <laughs> first two i only know Cruel intentions
0: know. um so it's um but it's actually very tightly plotted real character development real suspense heart you have to have your brain on to figure out what's going on and i thought it was like a throwaway show and i looked and it's 97 percent on rotten tomatoes um so thank god there's two series episode serieses uh there's another one to go and then they've just renewed it for a fourth series so watch elite on netflix um, okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, Bevy, no pressure. Sometimes our guest comes with yup, sometimes they don't. Do you have a yup for us?
2: I've got a yup. Oh, yes. Her name is Nia Dennis, and she is the UCLA gymnast that swept the internet. Oh,
1: I saw that.
2: Performance and uh, doing all the hip hop dance moves and everything, but yet nailing all of her floor exercises. It was amazing. It's She danced to Missy Elliott and to Beyonce and to like all hip hop music. She did all the good TikTok moves and everything, but yet scored tens across the board for her floor exercises. And I love to see it because for many years, um, black girls who performed in that sport were so maligned and they weren't really allowed to dance to music that was culturally relevant for them and they or, and if they did they would lose points for for dancing to that kind of music cuz they thought it should be more pop or sometimes more classical what have you and so i love that nia is getting all these props on the computers and all over the, the, the world. I'm a big fan of that. All right, yes, for Nia. Nia. Maybe, maybe yeah. we can
0: get her a guest spot on Elite. Okay,
2: right. <laughs> Go to Spain and do Elite.
0: All right. What an amazing right. episode, Rachel. Best uh, episode of the year so best far, episode. clearly.
2: Yes, clearly. Yeah. Literally.
1: And a huge yup to Bevy and her book, Bevelations. We're so grateful that you came on the podcast. We hope you'll come back again we if we you. haven't scared I, you off yeah. this
0: time. So I will
2: always come back. I love you guys. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Rachel.
0: Thank you. you. Okay. This has been a terrible week, like always, but a really amazing podcast to record. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed us, please rate, subscribe, review, tell your friends in person. That's still the best way to interact with humans. Until next week, this has been NOPE. The podcast
1: where we shut it down.